Whether you're walking through a dark alley or driving your car to Chick-fil-A or maybe Starbucks, it is the Animal Control Report with your hosts, <laughs> Ashley Bishop and Daniel Ettinger. Welcome to the show, Bishop. How are you? I'm back. You're back. Oh, we had a guest host. I forgot. Kelly Tyson. Shout out. She did a great job. Yep. Love Kelly Tyson. Absolutely. Are you replacing me? No, no one's replacing you. You you are irreplaceable. (laughs) What's the song? You're irreplaceable. I'm just going to stop now. Here we go again. We have a great show planned today. Everybody stand by for that. Before you do, please like, share, rate the podcast. Remember to click those stars, five, three, two, one, whatever you prefer. But we need you to rate, rate, I can't even talk. What is wrong with me, Bishop? Oh, don't even get me started. I can't even talk, but please rate the podcast because that is, I set you up there, but okay, important. important. Oh, Oh, (laughs) you're paying attention. It's fine. Everything's fine. Any any good stories for me? Work-related stories? I don't know. I haven't been at work lately. Yeah, I've been. Uh, oh, that's right. You were in. She was in the city that never sleeps, Manhattan, New York City, one of, if not the best cities on the planet. Now, some people may disagree with that. However, I think it's one of the best cities on the planet. What did you think? I absolutely agree. Of all the places I've ever been, it definitely was. Um, it it is on my top ten and currently number one list. Although I interestingly yeah. did. Uh, enough did see a strike going on. Wait, uh, what, what? Oh, you did. You sh- yeah. sent me a photo. Talk about that. Yeah, please. Petco, they were showing on, I mean, it was a pretty intense uh, strike. They actually had boards that were electronic with people's pictures up there and about how they were getting hundreds of thousands of dollars a year while employees are not getting what they deserve. Mm. So I didn't get too close because I didn't know, I didn't really know what was going on. It's not something I've got going on around here by me. You think you'd have been recognized and they'd have been like, hey, put us on the podcast. You want to talk about Petco's? (laughs) Hey, Dan, I don't know if you know this, but the podcast is an audio and not visual thing. Good call. (laughs) Good call. Well, we got a fun show today. I'm glad you got some time in new york we've both now seen the harry potter cursed child it's cursed child yes yes yay you got it um excellent so if you're in new york or you like harry potter go check that out even if you don't like harry potter just to see how they manage to do magic on stage live i have chills right now like i have goosebumps and i'm not going (laughs) to give anything away but the way they had the little water part like when they yes yeah that was great cool All right. Well, again, great show. I'm going to read an article, but before I do, I got to share an experience. I just recently had a conversation with an agency and I'm not going to name the state or the agency just, uh, just to be fair, but we were talking, they have 75 dogs currently. Guess how many kennels they have. Am I supposed to guess high or low? You guess you're, Hey, you do you, they have 75 (laughs) dogs. How many kennels do they have? Uh, I'm going to go with 25, 10. Oh yeah. What is go- where are they putting them? I know. And so we'll talk a little bit about that. Stay tuned for overcrowding and that. I just it's you gotta get creative and you gotta do some other things. If you have 75 dogs and 10 kennels, that is just I, I would think that's a health department violation. I don't know. I don't know. I can't uh, I can't 
disclose the state. I, I want to be fair in that aspect. But as listeners, if you have 7.5 dogs in each kennel, at least that's what it comes to, right? How, okay, so they've got, I, I feel like the kennels could be worked with. You could get creative. My next question is, do they have enough staff to appropriately give every one of those 75 dogs time? Three. Three or four staff total. Three or and four are staff. they only kennel attendants? They're both. They do animal control and kennel staff. Oh. I know, dude. Oh. Dude. No, no, no. Yeah. How is that beneficial to the dogs? Uh, well, let's talk. We're going to talk about that later and just the whole... I'm going to use the save them all or no kill moniker and how that affects, but stay tuned for that. I'm gonna... Best friends. We still love you. We are still best friends. Uh, you know, we'll talk. <laughs> best friends. We'll talk. Y'all want to come back on. You're always welcome. But these monikers are doing, in my opinion, more harm than good. And we'll talk about that here in a second, but I have an article to read. Stay tuned. This article is from WTVR.com. WTVR six news, Richmond. Got that out of the out of the way. <laughs> Officer Leanberger, Leanberger. I always want to call you the dog Leanberger. Is it? How do I <laughs> say it per, per, per correctly, Rob? So close, so close. Leanberger, Leanberger. All right, cool. So as you can tell, there's our guest, but he's gonna he's gonna stand by so we can read this. <laughs> Barking dogs is the soundtrack to Rob Leanberger's career. He wouldn't have it any other way. It's so ingrained in who I am. I've been doing this since I was 21 said Rob. The 51-year-old, now 53 maybe, serves as an animal control officer. It is a role he's harnessed 30 years ago and hasn't let go. So this is, again, this article is from 2021. We'll get an update from Rob here in a second. Rob began his career in Chesterfield in 1991. It's so invigorating, so fulfilling, and so enriching. Enriching? Wow. Enriching. So it is literally my world, he said. For the last five years, He's been working with Richmond Animal Care and Control as a field supervisor. By putting the welfare of animals first, Rob and his team of seven officers are shedding that outdated image of the dog catcher. They are what makes the world so successful, said Rob. There is no way we could do this by ourselves. In three decades, Rob has rescued thousands of neglected and abused animals. You never leave it here. I take it home every single day, said Rob. Experiences that come with a heavy emotional toll. It never turns off, Rob explained. I've sat and I've cried because I couldn't fix things. When the pressure builds, Rob need only look down at his partner, Piper, who was a stray dog that he rescued 12 years ago. She literally, again, is the poster pup for what we do, said Rob. We're going to ask that here in a little bit on why. The father of two admits his job also comes with fringe benefits with fur, Rob can often be found cuddling with kittens or dogs. Rob said when he took the oath 30 years ago, Virginia laws protecting animals didn't have much teeth, but they have changed, especially since the death of Tommy. Tommy was a dog tied to a tree and intentionally set on fire in 2019. Mm. Holy crap. The man who committed the crime was sentenced to five years in prison. Rob said he found his calling and isn't hanging up his leash anytime soon. Why leave when you love something inside and out and from head to tail? I'm hoping that I'll be in a wheelchair or a nursing home still doing something, said Rob. I have no plans on stopping. 
this is just like a hero among us thing. So that's the article. I screwed it up pretty well, but it doesn't matter because Rob is awesome. And thank <laughs> you for joining the podcast. <laughs> oh, good grief, Dan. I, I feel I feel elated and, and depressed all at the same time. <laughs> depressed because of the sad stories or because I botched the article? <laughs> well, no comment. <laughs> Fair. Fair. Let, uh, Rob, okay, so we know that was in 2000. Are you, is this your 33rd year then, if we do math? Uh, what year is this? 2023? 32nd. It will complete okay. in my 32nd year in December. In December. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, I will start the 33rd year, which is an odd number. I'm not good with odd numbers. I'm not good with reading, but that's okay. <laughs> When we talk about just your experience, like what drew you to the profession? Why did you start when you were 21? Like, like just straight out of college? Did you go to no. college? What was the, I tried college yeah. for a semester at that time and it was a complete bomb, failed everything and came back and started working again where I had worked at a local veterinary hospital as just a vet assistant. And I had become familiar with the animal control officers that periodically would would come in there with with injured animals, uh, uh, one particular cat that had fallen into an oil drum, covered in oil. So that was a you know a memorable case. So I knew them from that experience, and the animal shelter was just up the road. And a friend of mine went over there and, and became a kennel worker over there. And then a few months later, she called me and said, "There's a animal control officer position open." I'm like. Hey, that might be fun. <laughs> Let me fill out an application. And at the time, it was handwritten applications and then handwritten background information. Oh my God. I handwrote my 30 something page background uh, packet. Whoa. Uh, and I may still have it. I, I have a bunch of stuff that I kept, and I probably still have at least a copy of it. Uh, wow. And was, uh, it, it took, I think I started filling the application or the pro I started the process several months prior to December. And we all know how long it, you know, it takes to get into jobs and animal control, police, fire, all that. Uh, so by December I was able to, um, or I was offered the job and was quite happy and then jumped in and realized, Oh my God, what have I jumped into? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you said that it might be fun. Was it, it was fun? a lot of fun and it's been just fun ever since along with a lot of flavorings of, of, oh my God. And this kicked my butt today. This was a great experience today. That was a bad experience. Why do I have to go to court and sit all day? Why do people do terrible things? Oh my God, look at this fluffy puppy. <laughs> and is that a cobra? Yes, that's a cobra. <laughs> So it, you know when you were you were mentioning the Petco um, strikes, I investigated a local Petco in 2015 before I joined Richmond. So it's <laughs> experiences are far and wide here. Are you and you're still in Richmond? Yes, I joined Richmond Animal Care and Control January 2016, uh, okay. and up till January of. 2022, I was the, the field services supervisor. And then in 2022, January, I became the program and operations supervisor. So what that means is, is now I, 
I sit in the chair a little bit more often and, 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 mm. and do things like SOPs and, and paperworky things and freedom of information requests and, and a bunch of other office-y type stuff. And like uh, Tom and Julie are having problems at work. And so then you have to, you know, navigate all that stuff and get them in your office and have a conversation. Uh, occasionally, but, but there is now a field service. There's a, a new field services supervisor who is now in charge of the okay. animal control officers. So I'm less in charge of that and more in charge of my office. <laughs> Got it. Can I ask uh, re just really quickly, 30 years ago, 31 years yeah. ago, when you started, what did your training, like, do you recall what it looked like when you, when they were like, okay, you're hired, you're going to start on Tuesday. Here's what to, here's what to get ready for. Like, what did the training consist of? That's, a, that's kind of what it was. It was a Monday and I was immediately paired up with a, with a, a senior animal control officer and, and we just literally hit the road. Certainly I did all the, the, the human resources stuff that you need to do up in the, at the beginning. Uh, but we literally just jumped right in, uh, and all, almost all of it was hands-on in the field, in the shelter, um, uh, for, for several months. Uh, okay. and then I did do at the time, Virginia did not require an animal control basic in 1991. It was, there was no requirement, but they, they offered it. Uh, and so I did an, I did an entire week of animal control basic. Uh, and then that changed in uh, 1997. It changed to where it was mandatory for for new hires in Virginia to get an animal control basic. Still a week, but it became mandatory. Why do you think that they do that? Hey, we're going to offer this. We're not going to require it, but it's, you know, we have some really good information, <laughs> but we're not going to require I, it. I, I don't know. And I, and I, and I find it odd that it's not consistent throughout the United States. Like to me, I, I'm spoiled because Virginia makes it mandatory. Of course, at the time it wasn't, uh, but I, I believe I mean, it, it's just the progression of, of the, of the profession. Um, I, I think they wanted to say, okay, yeah, it's here. But we're not going to make you do it uh, because we're just not. The law didn't it's require it, and, and when and yeah. that factors in. That definitely factors yeah. in because it's been a a bit of a struggle to get the training change over the last three decades. Well, you're one of six states on last check that actually require yeah. some sort of training. It's, it's one of six states, isn't that? I mean, that's just there's last time I checked, there were fifty of those. So that means there's forty four states where it's like eh. If you want, <laughs> yeah. Is it is it still the one week training? No, it's now. Um, trying to remember when we started pushing for uh, more. Uh, it, it it it's evolved over obviously the, the the three decades, and it then became two weeks, probably five to ten years later. Uh, and you had to you had to have the training within two years of being hired. My mission at that time was that's too long. What we were finding is that agencies were hiring animal control officers and right up to the two year mark, then they were letting them go. So they wouldn't have to, to pay for the training. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a money saving thing, but still get a couple of years out. Now that wasn't rampant necessarily. So what we decided to do when I was, uh, and I'm still on it, the Virginia animal control association board of directors, we, we, it took 
several years, uh, but we got the law changed to you had to have the training within one year of being hired. Uh, so that's been an improvement. And just recently, within the last maybe year, two, uh, it's now three weeks of animal control training. That's wow. the new standard. That just went into effect, uh, I think it was last July. July okay. 2022. And when you do your annual conference, can that count as training? Or are these like, does this have to be done through a certificate type? It has training? to be done through a, 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 an animal control basic school that's that's approved by the Department of Agriculture in Virginia or Virginia Department of Agriculture. Uh, and okay. and there, are, there are a handful throughout the state and the vast majority of them, or most of them, I should say, are done through the, the regional or area um, criminal justice training facility uh, and then and then after that after you're done then you have to you have to complete 15 hours of continuing education training every three years so that's where the conference that's where the conference would, yeah. would kick in you would get the you could get the continuing education credits from attending a conference got it so if they have the um, program at their criminal justice training facility, does that mean that they are also training criminal justice students who are looking to go into police work versus animal Correct. control? For example, the one that I teach at um, in this area, uh, they have the police officer training, sheriff training, uh, basic dispatcher school, basic jailer school, the animal control school. So, so many of them have a multifaceted training program for different, um, you know, different entities, police. Rescue. Are you jumping on tables when you teach at the school or is that just at conferences? Like, what's I on? don't jump on the tables as often at these because <laughs> the tables, <laughs> the tables are a little bit more rickety. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fair, man. Fair, I'm, I'm surprised you remember that. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things that just right, right. A lot of things I don't remember, but some things I do. All right, I want to ask about the the dog that was tethered and burned. We got, it um it came up in the article, sure. and I just want you to uh, obviously. I mean, it sounds like you can share some information about it oh, now, sure. and if you could just talk about that case, uh, kind of how it came in. And, and how it finished. Oh gosh, that was probably of my career. It was got, it has to have been the most brutal act of animal cruelty I have ever seen uh, occur. And it was in February of 2019, uh, right around uh, Valentine's day, uh, 12th, 13th or 11th or 12th. And I was, I was at home and the animal control officers that were working that evening called me and said, Hey, we got this situation. And then they explained it. Um, where a young man, I mean, I think he was, God, 22, 23, walked his dog um, maybe a mile or two at best from his home and to a local park. Uh, but prior to getting over there, he had doused the dog with lighter fluid, uh, is what we had seen. And, and Richmond is like other, other cities. They, they have cameras everywhere. So we were able to track the majority of his progress through various cameras throughout the, you know, that area. Uh, and he tied the dog to a fence at this park, uh, just the, the, the fence for the, um, um, the tennis court, and then set the dog on fire. 
and the dog broke free, was streaking across the field on fire. There was multiple, I mean, multiple witnesses. We could see, we could actually see it in one of the, the cameras from a, a local business, the, the, the video. Uh, thank goodness, though, just across the street from where this happened was one of the fire stations. And they happened, the crew happened to be there and they saw this. I mean, so we had multiple fire uh, personnel witnesses. They ran across, were able to get the dog, put, put the fire out on the dog uh, and get it back to the fire station where they started treating it uh, as best as they could. And then we got there. Uh, shortly thereafter and, and transported the dog immediately to the, the local um, emergency vet clinic. Uh, and then it was just a whirlwind of everything from that point on. Uh, there was round the clock care. They had a team from the, uh, the medical college of Virginia come over. That was the burn unit people. Uh, and these are, these are folks that, that handle uh, burn victims, human burn victims. So they provided mm -hmm. care. Uh, the, the, the donations of money and, and resources started pouring in because we posted it on Facebook. Um, we developed the suspect like within the first couple of days. I had started talking to a guy that had talked to this, this angry young man uh, and we were able to identify who he was like within the first couple of days. But we couldn't put that out in the public because we needed it to be, a, you know, kind of a... Uh, uh, quiet about it until we we were sure, uh, and and then had the help from the state police, the fire marshals, um, the uh, task force uh, for the police department, uh, and he was ultimately arrested or indicted, I should say, felony animal cruelty. A um, couple months later, I think, and he pled he pled guilty. And got, and got the full, he, in Virginia, the maximum that you can get for, for felony animal cruelty is five years in prison. And so he, he was, he was given that he was sentenced to five years in prison. Hold on. All right. Got to give that a round. Yeah. And that's, that's. Did, cool. he, did he ever give a reason? The, 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 he, he alleged, and I never talked to him, um, but he alleged to the, to the investigators, the police investigators that the dog was aggressive towards his kids. So, so torture. Yeah. So, so douse it in lighter fluid, but, but you know, the, the, the holes there that the dog was perfectly fine while he doused it in lighter fluid and walked it across a bridge to right. so it couldn't have been so aggressive. And we were literally where he lived was barely a half a mile. Uh, uh, our shelter is, is, from that location. Oh my gosh. So he could just yeah. bring it in. He could have tied it to our front door and we would have been angry about that and annoyed, but the, the dog yeah. would have been alive because it died. Yeah. The, it, the dog died for three days later. Yeah. Yeah. Succumbed uh, to the, to the injuries. So it was, was it burned pretty much? I believe they told me approximately um, 55 to 65% of its body. It was, it was significant. It, it was pretty significant. And it was, you know, it was, I mean, the, yes, the, the hope was high there for it to survive. And it was, it was rallying there, you know, for uh, a day or two. And then uh, they believe uh, the dog um, developed a blood clot uh, and, and that may have caused the, the ultimate death of, of the dog.
Um, but it, it's as, as horrifying as that situation was, the, the outcome or the, the things that have, have come out of this, that terrible situation have been mind blowing to me. We, I mean, the multiple funds that have been set up. So for example, we have the Tommy fund, which uh, is, is used now to uh, help pay for uh, dogs and cats in Virginia public animal shelters when they need medical care. So again, going back 30 years ago, if an animal was, was sick or injured in my, in, in, uh, in, in my world then, uh, it was pretty much an automatic death sentence. Well, we can't, it's got heartworms, got to euthanize it. Oh, it's got a broken leg, we got to euthanize it. Now, this, this Tommy Fund helps to, to pay for stuff like that, for jurisdictions that, you know, they have a phenomenal budget. <laughs> here's here's mm -hmm. your pencil. That's all we're going to be able to pay for. Uh, so this, this Tommy fund is able to help with situations like that. Uh, we have a license plate uh, in Virginia uh, as a result. Uh, so it, it's, been, it's been pretty significant. The law changed that year too uh, in Virginia. So with law changes or with bad things, sometimes good law changes happen. So in Virginia at the time, if the animal lived, even if you, if you did something absolutely horrible to it, but it lived, it would only be a misdemeanor offense in Virginia. Yep. Wow. Yeah. And, and so torture regardless. Regardless of, of what you did. You know, if you if you just cut it and, and it started with Virginia Beach trying to to push the change because the guy did something I think he tried I think he used a machete on a dog or something. Uh, I don't remember the details. And because the dog and again, veterinary medicine has, has advanced so well that it they're saving animals uh, better and easier mm -hmm. and doing a much better job, which is fantastic. Uh, but the flip side is is when that happens, if the animal lives, then it's only or was only a misdemeanor charge. When that Tommy incident occurred, there was a bill uh, in the Virginia legislature uh, to change it to a felony. Uh, the Tommy incident, the timing couldn't as terrible as it was couldn't have been better with the legislative session they were right in the middle of the legislative session in virginia uh and that pushed it over the edge it was i, I believe it was unanimous votes on both sides of the of the aisle uh, and both houses of the virginia le legislature and then the governor signed it so that it became a felony if you do something bad to the animal but it lives um it's going to be a felony so if if Tommy actually survived, he wouldn't have gone to correct at that point because that is correct. Wow. That is wow. correct. So as, uh, you know, as, as terrible as it sounds, uh, I mean, in, in, in hindsight, it was probably, um, okay or, or slightly better from a criminal standpoint that he did pass, uh, because then we could hammer this guy, uh, with everything that we could hammer him with. Uh, and, and he got it. I mean, he got the full brunt of the law. And got the maximum got the max so so he'll be out next year i believe no dogs for him tomahawk live trap has been manufacturing humane animal capture and handling equipment since 1925. they work directly with animal control officers around the world to develop and improve their products so that they're as safe and efficient as possible save 10 percent on your next order by using discount code dcac report visit them online at www.livetrap.com or call them at 1-800-272-8727 during that investigation, did anybody that you know of go and talk to the family and see, you know, is he abusing 
anybody else within the family, kids? Um, because you said he had two. Yeah, the, the, uh, much of the people aspect of things was, was turned over to the police department, and they did make some visits uh, at some point to the house. I don't know what the outcome, though, was with that, um, because I wasn't involved with the, you know, talking sure. with the family. Um, we did talk to the original owner. There was an actual original owner who came forward who had given the dog to him, um, which was, which was fascinating. Uh, and so with, with DNA, uh, evidence, we, you know, we, we put all the pieces together and Facebook, mm. Facebook search warrants, social media search warrants, um, you know, which again, 30 years ago didn't exist did not exist. And now we utilize social media uh, to, to be able to help convict him of, you know, this That's terrible good. crime. So yeah. Careful what you say on social media. <laughs> yeah. Let's, all right. Let's do this because we got a couple things. We're going to have a game show here in a second, pick of the litter. And then we got to talk about just your experience over the 30 years about how no kill and sure and that stuff. But we'll, we'll get to that here in a second. But before we do, I just want to get your take too. I mean, doing this 30 years, what's, what's a really good, positive, memorable story, uh, you know, that just makes you kind of smile or feel good when you think about it, that, that has happened in your career. Oh, God, there's so many. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't, I don't know if I have any, well, the, the Cobra incident was kind of fun. Um, okay talk about it everybody wants to hear about a cobra yeah it, it i i was in my vehicle and i'm pretty sure it was a sunday this has been this was like 2007 2006 something like that and i literally just wanted a cup of coffee uh that morning and, and i don't know that i got it and, and we had just recently gotten computers in the vehicle so it was uh, you know it was a fun thing to have computers and see things on the on the screen and and this snake bite thing pops up and i thought oh that'll be easy because we don't quarantine snakes they don't have rabies this is great <laughs> this is fantastic uh no paperwork why don't we co- why don't we quarantine them they don't get rabies it, it, that's but rabies. why don't they get rabies they're, they're being facetious here bishop they're... i am because i had lieutenants call and ask me whether or not we had to quarantine <laughs> Because they're not mammals. Right. Their body chemistry just is, is unsuitable for the rabies virus. <laughs> However, <laughs> they don't have rabies, but some of them carry a much more <laughs> deadly thing that's a lot quicker acting. Right. And as in this case, it, when I scroll down on the, on the, on the uh, document or on the, the computer screen, oh, it's a cobra bite. And I thought, oh, man, this is not going to be cool. Uh, turns out it was phenomenally cool and and ultimately rewarding in the sense that that uh, I had to then figure out what I was dealing with. I had to talk to the guy that got bit. He had gotten bitten on one of his pinkies. It's probably why he lived uh, because of the cobra that bitten bit him uh, the morning of where he was in a drunken stupor um, in his <laughs> apartment. This was this was a pet, and he had tried to pick it up to show his friend uh, and the snake bit him as all good cobras do. And, and it turned out it was an albino monocle cobra and I had to look that up and it's phenomenally venomous. And I, I think I, I, I think I read something to the effect it's in the top 10 most you know, venomous of the, of the snake world. And the venom uh, shuts your respiratory system down. 
um, and it causes your body to decay too. So when I found that out, I thought, oh, we're going to need some some more people. <laughs> and and yeah. thus we had to get a search warrant because he was still in the hospital. I had to get a search warrant for his apartment, had to notify um, because he lived on the top floor. We had to tell everybody in that that apartment building. We had to go door to door, knock on all the doors, us, the police, sheriff's department was there. Uh, there may have even been an ice cream truck. I don't remember. Uh, and just let them know that, hey, we're getting ready to do this search warrant and there's a venomous snake in your neighbor's apartment. You might want to just kind of leave for a few. <laughs> and you should, you the, wow. the, the reaction from some of these people that, all right, if he gets back, we're going to kill him <laughs> you know, from the, from the yeah. hospital. So the police, the police officers had their shotguns at the ready. <laughs> what? Literally, what? literally the shotguns were at <laughs> the ready. That doesn't surprise me. I'm thinking, me. <laughs> all right, they're going to shoot a hole in the floor and that snake's going to go right through the hole in the floor. That's going to be fantastic. <laughs> and, then, and then we'll have the news here. <laughs> um, How big was it? It actually was only about a foot, maybe a foot and a half. Okay. And it was inside its little aquarium. Um, and <laughs> and we duct taped that thing shut so tight. Yeah. It was... did, you, did you check there first or did you find that after a bit of looking? It was when, when we when the maintenance guy opened the door so at least we didn't have to bust the door okay. he had a key so when he opened the door and the shotguns then panned to the left and panned to the right and no, nothing got shot uh then then we <laughs> could see i could see an aquarium over to the left if i recall there was an ar-15 to the right and an aquarium to the left <laughs> Uh, yeah, nice. the aquarium's way more dangerous. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll save that for another. Yeah, story. the gun was was the police dealt with that. Uh, so I walked over there, and, and the aquarium was on the on a table, and I looked in like, oh, that looks like a cobra to me. And then I started tapping the cage just because you gotta you gotta do that to make sure. And and it hood and and it just rose up, and all its its three and a half four inch um, fury of of just little hooded snake. Uh, and it fit the description of an albino monaco cobra to a T, and he was not happy. I was thrilled to pieces because, like, this is so cool. <laughs> well, if anyone's interested in buying those, uh, they're really easy to go online to and just buy them and get them mailed to you. I'm not saying you should do that, but that's how easy it is to get these venomous Sad to say. Sad to say. Did you see how much they are? Uh, I was looking that up, but as I was looking that up, I, I found this, so Rob was talking about it. They have two types of venom. They have a cyst cystotoxic venom and a neurotoxic venom. Mm. Uh, so they double dose you. It's like, a you know, not just one venom, but two venoms, yep. right? Um, so watch out, people. That's, oh. wow. They're actually not that expensive either. How much? 250 Oh, it's a bargain. Oh, yeah, you should yeah. get three of those at that cost. I mean, <laughs> why not? And then they can start reproducing and you can start selling them. Death. Just side note, though, for, for maybe some of our newer listeners, to be honest, and I'm not joking, you bring up the the AR and who knows if the AR was registered right. or not. But in these houses that may be, may be, mm -hmm. um, you know, into drugs and stuff, you might find keys to a safe in that, in that enclosure, right? In that aquarium. So it's something that when you're doing warrants, um, be mindful of that when you're, you know, with PD and there is potential other drugs or things like that in the home. Uh, oftentimes those criminals will hide, hide things in those enclosures because they're, you know, they're like, no one's going to stick their hand right. in there. Well, you know, honestly, I've been doing this 10 years and I never would have thought about that. 
Well, there you go. Tip of the day. All right, let's do the pick of the litter. You ready for the pick of the litter? Rob, you get to play this game. It's called the pick of the litter. Pick of the litter is just a game where we ask you random questions. You answer uh, as you, you know, as you see fit. You can answer however you want, uh, whether it's um, based on the question given or if you just want to make up an answer. It's fine. Totally fine. Okay. First and foremost, what is your official title? Program and Operations Supervisor. Okay. How many times have you been bitten? Approximately five. Nice. In 30 years? That's Whereas I'm looking at our previous was... 10 in one year. No, no. I'm a little concerned no. about that person. Safety first. Safety first. I value, <laughs> I value my get, fingers. <laughs> yeah, you did not get bit by the cobra. Oh, that, short, that's right? a huge <laughs> definite. <laughs> that did not occur that day. <laughs> uh, what would you call your spirit animal? Uh, I would have to say dog. Okay. I think that's the, oh, no, we have a Cocker Spaniel and cat. I was going to say that's the most normal yeah, one we've had. Yeah. Dogs are cool. Yeah. What is your go-to snack, whether it be your truck, your office, wherever? Well, it's a tie between Krispy Kreme donuts and Reese's cups. But nice. it's... Speaking of Reese's cups, they just dropped a plant. I saw that. Reese's Yep. And I've been eating Justin's peanut butter cups for years now. And I, I gave it a B minus at first, and I think I went to an A last night. So I put it in the fridge and then had it from the refrigerator, and it was better than it was just store or room temp. Okay. So. All right. Educate me. Why? What is? What about Reese's is not plant based? Is uh, there milk yep. in it? Yeah, milk chocolate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. Have you adopted an animal you rescued on duty? Well, young. Yes. Was that that was, part was that of the, well? That was Piper. I didn't technically rescue her personally, but one of my coworkers at the time uh, got her. She was running loose in the in a in a business complex area when she was I don't know six eight weeks old at the time. This was in two thousand and ten. Yeah. There's no way she got there. By no, herself. no. We're pretty confident uh, somebody somebody dumped her there, but. Near, near a, a private animal shelter that's up in the area. Uh, and how they managed to not get her and miss her is my, you know, my lucky day. <laughs> when she came back to the shelter with the animal control officer, uh, I said, oh, I think I need to foster her. <laughs> and, Knowing damn and well. So Knowing I did. Well, and she threw up on my bed at home and I thought, yep, this is a keeper. <laughs> as far as your vehicle goes emergency lights or amber lights time out pause or whatever you prefer so current or what you prefer mm. we have red red lights yep okay cool interesting all right we know this is a yes. Yeah. For state or department required certification. Uh, we talked about that earlier. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> PPE. 
things like firearm, baton, OC, taser. Used to have firearms in the in the jurisdiction Chesterfield, uh, Richmond, no firearms, but we have uh, pepper spray, collapsible batons, body armor. Uh, those are the those are the primary ones. Yeah, no no tasers. And the last one, if you could ride along with anyone, who would it be? Live or dead, famous or not, anyone. And it d- doesn't even have to be ACO related. Oh, <laughs> God, I would have loved to have ridden along with Abraham Lincoln in his carriage. <laughs> I don't think you're joking. <laughs> I, 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 you know, his, 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 uh, you know, I read a book called, I've read it three times now, Lincoln on Leadership. Uh, and the 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 enormity of who he was and 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 having it taken away, I I would have loved uh, you know loved to have, have met him and just did a carriage ride along <laughs> with so him. You'd have to do a welfare check on the horses though, because that was you know right before that there was really no the ASPCA hadn't been right. formed at that point. So you'd you'd have to be like Abe. And I'm sure because Abe was a good guy, right? Like I'm sure his horses were great, but stuff. I think I would have. I think I would have been fine, and he probably would have been fine letting me. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be that'd be cool. That's a cool answer, man. I I didn't expect to hear that. That's a cool answer. All right, Bishop. Cool. I think it's time. We so you you probably heard us earlier in the program talking about seventy five dogs and ten right. kennels, and the reason I, I'm really curious on your perspective because you've been in the industry so long. And I'm going to say this, I'm going to say it as such, the trend of the no kill or save them all moniker, I feel like has really become popular over, hmm, I'll just say the last 10 years, it may be less, maybe few, give or take. But as, as an, you know, someone that has been in the industry, as long as you have, when you started, was there any idea or concept of like, not that anyone wants to euthanize anything because we don't, uh, but what was your, like, I guess, what was your take on, on that idea of like, maybe putting animals that are more of a safety concern or a health concern back in the community? Oh, well, when, when I started, um, we did euthanize a lot. I mean, I, I will be the first to say I didn't, I didn't like it, uh, but it was, that's what we did. And whether you, whether you agree with, with things that departments do, as long as it wasn't illegal, it, it was, was what we did. Uh, cats, stray cats came in through the front door in cages and we brought them out the back door and, and euthanized them. They were signed over. Dogs were brought in on a regular basis, but that was, you know, that was the, the policy. That was the procedure. And as a young animal control officer, um, far be it for me to argue against anything like that. Um, and, and it had certain merit for animals that would be horribly unsafe for the community. Uh, but then I started noticing over the years that um, probably within 10 years of me being there that, that a, a, a trend, no kill was the words I remember, uh, that, that, okay. that's when it started. And I remember even in the, 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 the local government there, uh, they passed resolutions and, and passed, um, things that said, we're not going to, we're not going to kill things you know, something to, something to that effect, uh, and, and actually put it in resolutions. And I know, I know other, 
jurisdictions did the same thing. So then it became a, a slight panic mode of we're, we're not euthanizing anything. Um, and, and it became confusing, I noticed too. Uh, and then it became weaponized. The no-kill whole aspect became, as far as I was concerned, weaponized to be used against localities that, okay, you're, you're, you are killers, you are a kill shelter, and therefore you're bad. So mm -hmm. that I noticed, I noticed that implicitly. I mean, it was, it was then emotionally charged. Um, people were angry. Uh, people were getting blamed. And it was used to manipulate uh, localities. Uh, and therefore, things that were, yeah, you know, they weren't, um, you know, they, 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 they hadn't done anything super bad, but we could still put them out into the community where there was a risk, these, some of these animals. Uh, and, and then on occasion, bad things happened. And so, for example, in the Virginia Beach area, um, a dog that had a history, and I, I know there's other stories, uh, dog had a history of aggression uh, and ended up killing the grandmother of the uh, the lady that was had adopted it, and then. Do you think that's the correlation though? Is because that they just didn't want to get involved and potentially have to euthanize this animal as far as animal control went? Because that's that's where I'm at now is trying to understand: is there data that that says because we have societal has have been less? I, I would say like. I guess less enforcement as far as it comes to like aggression or having a mm, uh, Bishop, help me out here. Having a, uh, you're usually my, my good backup word person. I know. Uh, but ha like when your behavior team has a smaller threshold, let's do that for, or a larger threshold for behavior and they're putting dogs back in the community that otherwise may have been euthanized. And again, nobody here on the show, wants to see euthanasia but the fact is like if we're saying well let's just adopt this animal to somebody that's more responsible but but we know that that animal could have a propensity to kill another animal or severely hurt a human do we is that happening more i guess is my question from what you've seen in your career you mean like uh, the, the way i see it is that it's pressure to get these animals out there that's, I, I would that's agree. how i uh, that's how percent. i see it yeah. You know, whether there's data to support that, uh, I, I don't know. Um, I, I just can, from my own personal experience, it grew over the years. Uh, and, and what ended up happening is the, the, most, the emotional aspect of trying to, to, to save every single thing uh, just took over. And there was no counter to it. So localities didn't push back and maybe some did but the vast majority as best as i could see didn't push back enough and then because it sounds better to oh we didn't have to euthanize you know it it, it almost became a political thing in a way that oh you know what i'm doing good because we're not my my locality isn't euthanizing things therefore in the public's eye that's a much more positive thing to show versus if you're euthanizing, that's a lot more negative. And, and, and it makes politicians, it makes them uncomfortable. It makes the, the leaders of a, of a community or a locality much more uncomfortable. So if they can be pressured by the, you know, the, the, the folks that want to, to save everything, they can be pressured by, by that, uh, then it, it, it steers the, the, 
you know, it, it steers it in the wrong direction, I think. Um, and, and, and terrible things happen like that, that lady getting killed. As a result of that, then the law changed in Virginia. Uh, what the, happened? If, if you have an animal uh, in your possession in a public or private animal shelter and you know it has a history, you have to disclose that. You're requi you required so in Virginia to, 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 to disclose a bite, I think it's a bite history. I don't have the exact wording, but it's in the okay. it's in the um, uh, the comprehensive Virginia laws, uh, and that's a relatively okay. newer law uh, that requires that, uh, and it's a criminal penalty if you don't. Um, so it's it's again, it's terrible things happen, and then we 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 get these laws, um, but uh, you know it, it's again it's it's the uh, the the wording. Just the wording "no kill" has has really uh, been problematic for this industry. I couldn't agree more. And Rob, the 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 idea is again, no Absolutely one wants to use anything. But what what happens is people that are uneducated with what that actually right. means feels like let's go ahead and push this forward, whether it's legislatively or you know uh, whether it's whatever the the agenda is behind it. I think the reality is let's make sure that we're being smart about what we're putting back in our community. Uh, our first and foremost job duty is public safety. Like <laughs> duty. Yeah. Yeah. And so when we have this confusion to people that don't get it now, I know, and, and I've talked to best friends, they've been on the show a few times. I've talked to them in private and they say that, Hey, like we want to be able to place every safe and healthy animal, but they don't want to mm -hmm. get away from that moniker because in my opinion, and I'm just speaking for myself, and I want to speak for anybody else on the show. It's a genius marketing scheme or plan. When you when you hear something like no kill, no kill 2025, etc, you want to donate to this sure. nonprofit, you want to be part of that movement. And I think it just causes this misnomer, right, that, okay, we're, we're going to be able to save everything. And, you know, my, my 11 year old daughter, okay, smart as a freaking button. I don't know. Well, that's not smart. Smart is a genius. I don't know how you say that. Um, she did a paper in school about zoos and she, you know, I'm the vegan one. This girl is not vegan, by the way. And she comes, she reads it to me. It's like a four page thing, probably the lot, the longest one in class. And you know, all those proud parent moments. I'm like, yeah, that's my kid. But she's talking to me about the behavior in zoos and the, 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 the zoocosis that happens, like because animals are trapped in there and they, you know, they, they can't live their normal lives. We're doing that to shelter animals because we can't place them, but we don't want to put them down. Now, not everybody is doing that. But when we talk about earlier, those 75 dogs and 10 kennels, there's got to be mm -hmm. issues behaviorally happening in those in those kennels. And so it's just I think it's our duty to raise awareness and not that I think we should have some conscious like decisions made on on what gets, you know, what gets out and what doesn't get out. But at the end of the day, public safety you know, health, all that stuff, behavior, those are all huge components. And just to wrap it up in a no kill kind of package, it just sends the wrong information to the, the community, to the public. And, and that, I think that's what we're yeah. fighting against. You know, when I was in the airports, um, coming back home, I, and, and we've, we've met and talked to several great people from best friends. So this is not a knock on the people themselves. But like Dan had said about the the verbiage, and we argued that pretty well 
on an episode. If you, anybody's interested in listening, um, what was it? We're best friends again or something along those lines. Yeah. yeah Cause we, we've had that. That was the second episode and that was with Brent Tolner. Uh, so go back and check that one out. He, yeah. he wanted to come on and just kind of clarify a few things, which is fine. But at the end of the day, best friends has to realize what they're doing is, I think it has a, a positive and a negative reaction in our community. Well, and, and to that negative reaction, even I walked past one of their billboards in one of the airports mm-hmm. and I, like I physically shuddered and walked past as fast as I could because I was like, it just doesn't, you can't do that. You can't save them all. And they, as a group, recognize that. They've told us that. They recognize that. It's a matter of, again, not letting go of those words and not choosing them carefully and then properly educating. I don't see anything up in my area about save them all. I don't see, um, I hear the no kill. Oh, I, I'm not going to, this isn't a no kill. This isn't a no kill. And I have taken to explaining to people because my shelter that I work with is very conscientious of adopting out safe animals and healthy animals and they still have a 90 to 93 percent live release rate which is considered by standard no kill and so i've taken to when people are like oh are they a no kill shelter i tell the people hey they've got a 90 percent live release rate they do their best to adopt out the healthy and the physically acceptable animals that can be adopted out. I don't use the no kill term. And by even putting in that percentage, people go, Oh wow, that's, that's actually pretty good. And that's enough for them. My question to both of you is how do you, so somebody that's so embedded, take Nike, for example, just do it or take Apple, for example, think different. They're not going to change their slogan at this point to be like, mm-hmm. uh, kill some of them or <laughs> save most of them, right? How do you, you can't, I, I feel like they're so ingrained and, and I don't know how you change it. I think over time, and I've been doing a lot of research on this. Actually, I'm trying to put together a class uh, to, to just raise awareness, not necessarily throw shade or anything like that, but just raise awareness, what works, what doesn't work. And I know Colorado kind of started this socially conscious sheltering movement to try to counter that as far as like, well, we can have our own moniker too. I mean, it's the same idea, just a different slogan uh, in that aspect when you when you look at the nuts and bolts. And so I think over time, like I don't think they're going to achieve no kill 2025. Like that's their goal. And so, you know, with that, I'm not having that victory. Um, maybe they slow down a little bit. I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. I just feel like maybe it's our part to just educate and, look, and say to people like, look, no kill, the way I look at it is limited admission. You can, you know, refuse animals. And that's what's happening in that place that is a government facility, but they have 75 dogs and 10 kennels. And they're saying, sorry, we can't take your animal, which is kind of, eh, right? So it's limited. Well, they need to, yeah, that kennel needs to reach out to best friends and say, help us, help us move these animals, the ones that are safe and healthy, help us get them out of our shelter because best friend, that's, that's what best friends is there to do. My opinion on 
the way that if best friends really wanted to change their perception and change and get away from the no kill, save them all, I think I think they'd almost have to combine with another organization that already has similar aspects and combine ideas. Best friends doesn't have bad ideas. And they've got a great program where they move animals and they help shelters move animals from high populations to a lower populated area. So maybe they need to close down best friends as <laughs> a brand name. It's never, and, it's never going to happen. That's the thing. I know. Not to but, drag this on. The reality is they are, they're, you know, they're dug in heels deep. The no kill slogan, the save the most slogan does help with, with, donations like that's that's the reality as a non-profit that's how that looks so we can carry on this conversation for hours uh, with all of our (laughs) guests and rob i just i want to say i appreciate you uh, providing your perspective and again these are our personal perspectives none of these represent you know our agencies or anything like Mm -hmm. that it's just our experience in the field what we've seen what we've dealt with and uh, you know my my personal experience, and I'll just leave it at that. Is it sends the wrong message to the people that are uneducated that don't do what we do, and that's the majority of the people that we have to educate, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, that's my perspective on it. Rob, we really appreciate you taking the time to to sit here with us today and just chat about your experience in the field, and uh, kind of looking forward to getting you back when you're in yeah. that wheelchair doing this job. Um, <laughs> you know, because it's it, not many people can say they've done this 30 years and the ones that have uh you know they they just they may have a different perspective and it seems like you're really you know uh, i would say a steward of the profession and and somebody that really takes pride in it and so Mm -hmm. that i want to i want to thank you personally you know we we've obviously uh known each other for a few years now and and i just uh appreciate everything that you're doing and and what you bring to this industry so i thank you appreciate it yeah yeah definitely As we always say, thanks for listening. Make sure you like, share, rate the podcast. If you need to get in touch with Rob for anything, shoot us a message. Uh, We'll get you in touch with him just to pick his brain on things. Uh, We'll be happy to pass your info along to him. Bishop, as we always do about this time, we want to say thank you for listening and keep it humane. 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 (laughs) Such a weirdo.